According to Luke, glory to you, O Lord. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in acceptance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, You may let your servant go in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, and the light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to begin by asking you a funny question. It's It's a weird question. How would you answer this? Someone were to go up to you and ask, excuse me, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? How would you answer that question? It's weird, isn't it? Especially as adults. Who do I belong to? What are you talking about? Yes. Ponder it for a moment. Who do you belong to? You see, little kids, in fact, will perceive the answer to this question a lot more quickly than adults. For example, you'll take a seven-year-old kid, go up to a seven-year-old kid, little kid, you say, excuse me, Mr. Little Seven-Year-Old, who do you belong to? What do you think that little kid will say? I belong to my mom. I belong to my dad. Notice the genius behind that answer. It's utterly brilliant. Because that little kid immediately will identify who he belongs to precisely through the most important relationship in his or her life. Do you see that? In other words, that little kid will define himself through the lens of love. Who is the most important person? Who do I belong to? My mom. I belong to my dad. Now take the other extreme. Take a little kid now. Sadly, there are some sad cases where kids grow up with no parents. Orphans. 
for whatever tragedy. You ask a little kid in that situation, who do you belong to? How do you think now this orphan would answer? They'll struggle, won't they? I don't know. I don't know. Who do you belong to? You see, how you answer that question, my friends, will determine the course of your life, by the way. It will decide how you live your life, the direction that you go. It will help decide those major crossroads of your life. Who do you belong to? Take now somebody who's utterly full of himself, by the way. Somebody who's utterly conceited, who, who, who thinks of himself constantly, who's at the top of the world. You ask that person, take that person who, who has, sees themselves at the center of their lives. If you ever ask them, excuse me, amazing person, <laughs> who do you belong to? What do you think a prideful person would say to that? I belong to nobody, right? I belong to myself. What are you talking about? How do you think they make their decisions, by the way? in relation to them. (laughs) Who do you belong to? And I think many of us now would answer that question if if we thought about it long enough. We would say, yes, I belong to my wife. I belong to my husband. I belong to my children. I belong to God. Notice, that question is only answered through our most meaningful relationships. I thought of of this bizarre question in light of the tragic news that many of us came home to last Sunday. I'm sure when you came home last Sunday, you saw the headlines all of a sudden, right? Nine people tragically lost in a helicopter crash in Southern California. Nine families affected, and especially, of course, you know, the big name that was part of that crash, the legendary basketball player Kobe Bryant lost his daughter as well, 13-year-old daughter in that helicopter. And it's always bizarre when when celebrities die, don't they? Because we tend to elevate them on a pretty high pedestal. And it's weird, especially if you're a basketball fan, even though Kobe transcended Sports. And says he became an icon. And amazingly, it's weird. Especially if you're a Kings fan, you know who Kobe Bryant is. Because he was the one we hated. Right? He was the one in our way, wasn't he? If we were a Kings fan back, if you remember in, 2000, in the early 2000s, it was Kobe and the Lakers that was the only thing in our way from getting a championship, by the way. So we hated, we all hated Kobe. <laughs> so it was weird when they died because it hits us like, like a friend died. It's weird. Again, I don't, I, I don't spend time to, to, to analyze the psychology of celebrity status, but it's weird. And so you're beginning to see, of course, as he died now, many, many headlines about his life. And one of the details of his life that not many people knew about him 
was that Kobe was a devout, practicing Catholic. Utterly devout. In fact, guess where he was? So Kobe's helicopter went down at 9.40. Guess where he was at 7 a.m.? At the Holy Mass. In fact, it's said that the pastor of that parish where he went to Our Lady of the Angels in fact, said that when he got to, to Mass early to help get the Mass ready, Kobe appeared out of the side chapel. He was already there before Mass began. So here he is. He could have easily said, you know what, I got a long day ahead of me. I got a long day. I'll skip Mass today. Huh? Right. So many things occupy our days, packed with good things. He could have easily said that, no. He got up early and he went to Mass. You know why Kobe was on that helicopter, by the way? Because you know, if you're from LA, traffic is notorious, isn't it? You can go 20 miles, you gotta plan out three hours, right? And so Kobe did not want to waste time sitting in traffic. In fact, he had a conversation with his wife, Vanessa. Vanessa told him, Kobe, you're so busy, you know, you're, you're, you're amazing, you're, you're so busy, you're a basketball star and, and everything else. He says, I can pick up our daughters from school. Let me pick them up. He said, no. He said, I want my daughters to know that their dad is there for them. So that's the reason why he spent all that money flying through L.A. on a helicopter. So that he can be there for his kids when they got out of school. Not to say that Kobe was perfect, not by any means, no. Again, don't misunderstand me that I'm canonizing him now, no. But Kobe, like many of us, what happens? We make mistakes, don't we? If you remember back in 2003, remember now, here, here he is, he's, probably, he's a young man in his early 20s. Top of his game, amazing. Rich beyond imagination. And Kobe entered the darkness of his sin. Because again, what happens? Again, you see this throughout sacred scripture all the time. Money, power, wealth, fame corrupts us. Not that they're wrong in and of themselves, but it can make us have this bloated idea of how amazing we are. And sadly, Kobe fell into that darkness. And if you recall, a young lady accused him of assault. The charges would eventually be dropped. She would withdraw her, her charges against him, refusing to testify. They would settle out of court, and Kobe would apologize. And he would fess up that, indeed, he had committed adultery against his wife. In fact, if you remember, in the early 2003, when this happened, his wife had just given birth to their first child. Their first baby was only seven, eight months old. And Kobe was behind her back while his wife stayed at home and being unfaithful to her. He was full of himself. But amazingly, looking back on that period of his life, this is what he said. He said this in an interview with GQ magazine, reflecting now years later on that dark period of his life. He writes, or he says, 
The one thing that really helped me during that process, during that period when he was accused of assault. So what really helped me during that process was that I'm Catholic. I grew up Catholic, and my kids are Catholic. And he was talking to a priest. It was actually kind of funny. He looks at me and says, did you do it? Meaning of the assault, he says, no, of course not. Then he asks, do you have a good lawyer? And I'm like, yeah, he's phenomenal. So then he just said, let it go. Move on. God's not going to give you anything you can't handle. And it's in his hands now. This is something you can't control, so let it go. And that was the turning point. In the midst of his darkness now, when Kobe forgot whom he belonged to, the light of Christ entered into his darkness. From that moment on, he would strive to become a man of faith and a man of family. Faith and family. In fact, it is said that when Kobe would travel during his games throughout the world, it said that as the other young players would go out in the city, you know, these basketball players, they, when they go to different cities, they go out and party, right? Not him. Not anymore. He stayed home. In the, uh, he stayed, rather, he stayed back in the hotel room playing video games. Because he knew if he went out there, it would be a source of temptation for him. He remembered who he belonged to. You see, I bring all of this up precisely on this feast of the, of the presentation of the Lord. When Christ now, as we carry the candle of Jesus into the darkness of a church or a building, represents God returning. Why is that important in the temple? Think back now. In the book of Ezekiel, written in the 6th century, in the book of the prophet Ezekiel, it said that the presence of the Lord in the holy temple of Jerusalem left. It left the temple. Why? Because Israel was unfaithful. Because of their sin. You see, what, the, what was constantly a temptation for them was that, so Israel, here they have a relationship with God, they have the holy temple. They would see their other neighbors, right? The other pagan empire that surrounded them. They saw them and they said, wow, they're a lot more powerful than us. They're a lot more wealthy than us. And then what is that age-old temptation? Again, it goes, think back in high school, same thing. We never grow out of it. When we see a popular person in high school that has the nicest car, the, most, the nicest clothes, what do we think? And remember, in high school, what, what do we think? I want to be like them, right? And so you try to behave like them. Peer pressure never goes away. Same thing. Watch, pay attention. When, when we all go home today and we, and we watch the Niners win, right? Watch the commercials, by the way. Watch the commercials. What's going to happen? Especially the beer commercials. What's going to happen? You watch the commercials, they'll be beautiful people, right? Always, always beautiful people. Why do they do that? 
It's so that when we can look at these beautiful people, we say, ah, see what's happening psychologically within us? We associate the beauty, the power, the wealth of these people with that product. And so now if I just drink that product, I'll be like them. <laughs> Same tired story of humanity. The Jews fell into that. And they started worshiping the gods of the other nations so they can be like them. And God said to them, You have forgotten me. You have forgotten whom you belong to. You belong to me. And because, and in the language that they always use when the, when the Jews would worship other gods, is a language of adultery, being unfaithful. So God removed, out of punishment for their sin, he removed his presence from them. Sixth century B.C. Now enter the book of Malachi, which we first heard in our first reading today. Notice this. So now this is written in the 5th century B.C. Prophet Malachi says this. Lo, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek. You see, what just happens here, what God has said in the 5th century now, when God's presence had left a century before, that God promised that I would send the Lord himself into the darkness of your sin, and he will return. Fifth century. Five centuries are waiting and waiting and waiting for this to happen. Now enter Jesus Christ. In the gospel reading, we hear powerfully why it is so significant. Notice now, my friends. Look, look, look what it says. There they are in the holy temple, huh? They bring the baby Jesus into the temple, represented by the light you have in your, in your hands. They bring, they bring him to the holy temple, and then Simeon sees Jesus, and he explodes in joy. Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of people of Israel. You see, what happens here, why he was so ecstatic, was because the glory of God now, which was removed six centuries before, has returned in Jesus Christ. The light of God now has returned into our darkness. To remind every single one of us whom we belong to. We don't belong to the world. We don't belong to money, power, pleasure, and all these dumb things we waste our time with. Again, it's important, but we tend to put it on a pedestal which it does not belong. We belong to God first. Christ leads us. The last game that Kobe played was on April 13th, 2013. It was against the Utah Jazz. It was on Wednesday. It's final game after 20 long years. 
You know where he was the next morning, <laughs> by the way? I want to read this to you, and I'm coming to the end. So here we are, out of 20 long years of, of an amazing career. ESPN reports, on the morning after he ended his legendary career, having just scored a staggering 60 points in his final NBA game the night before, he did not sleep in, or rest, or even work out. Kobe Bryant woke up bright and early and simply went to church. Thursday morning, he went to daily mass. See, Kobe understood he did not belong to his five NBA championship rings. He did not belong to his 18 all-star appearances. He did not belong to, to being named two-time NBA final all-star huh? MVP. He did not belong to the 33,000 points that he scored in his career, marking him the fourth highest scoring player in NBA history. Nor did Kobe think that he belonged to his massive wealth of $600 million. He did not belong to any of that. He understood that he belonged to Jesus Christ first. And his wife, Vanessa, and his four beautiful daughters. We belong to God and our families first. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.